I'd say one of the biggest things that he's taught me, which I think helps me a lot, is to understand how goals in life work. I just had the most interesting conversation with Andrew Griffinstein. Andrew talked about his father and how inspired he is by the leadership and the character that his father's taught him and how he's bringing those traits into his role as a young leader at CNG. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Andrew Griffinstein. Today, I'm spending time with Andrew Griffinstein. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. So tell us a little bit about what is it you do at CNG? I am a lead operator for the Ontario plant on A-Shift. Awesome. And so how long have you been doing that? I have been a lead operator for about three months now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you progressed quickly in the company? Yes. Awesome. I have worked all the way from the start of Op 1 all the way here to lead operator. Over a two-year period? Yes. Two. That's pretty good. Good for you. So you're, uh, you're applying a lot of our values of being curious and what else? Like, how would you describe your, your style? Uh, definitely, um, I would definitely say I go after opportunities. Yeah. And there's certainly a lot of them here. Yep. Because when I started, I remember saying to them that this seems, I, I looked at this job and knew that this was a place I could go, I could go places. Yeah. And the opportunities, certainly at Ontario, were, you know, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of opportunities. It was brand new building, brand new. Field of dreams. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was, it was probably, we had four people at the time and yep. I was brand new. I'm, I was still in college at the time, but um, mm -hmm. graduated about eight months in and whew, it was, it was quite a journey yeah. starting out and doing all the training that I did. And I've worked in just about every building except for here in Films 4. And uh, it was a long road to get here. And, I, and it was a road that I'm glad I traveled. Yeah, I am too. It, you're an inspiration to others um, in how you've been able to go after opportunities and, and, and grow, Andrew. So I want to learn a little bit more about you as a person outside of work. So tell me, tell me a bit about how you grew up, you know, a bit about your family and kind of what your early years were like. Well, let's see. I was born in Bluffton, Ohio. It's this tiny, tiny little village just outside of Lima. And I lived at the time with my mother, my aunt, a bunch of college kids, and I believe maybe my other aunt. It was a big household at the time. My parents were not married yet. And uh, we lived in Bluffton for a little while. And Finally, my parents got married when I was three, mm -hmm. and we moved to, we, we lived in a camper behind my grandmother's house while our house was being built here in Ontario. Uh, we lived in Crestline for about a year, and then finally, we moved to Ontario in 2003, mm -hmm. where I've actually lived for the rest of my life so mm -hmm. far, and I went to school in Ontario all years, uh, up from kindergarten all the way to high school, and then I went to Eastern Gateway Community College down in Steubenville. And I started working at Charter here in about 2021, June. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'd say my, my, uh, I remember when I was a kid, uh, everybody was, I was, I was a jumpy little kid. I was, I was definitely the kind of stereotypical, very hyper, always moving around, always jumping around kind of kid. I always had things to talk about. I was always, I was always 
talking. I was always talking to everybody. I was always jumping around, having a good time. And so you had a happy, happy time. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, I have, it's, go ahead. I have three siblings. I have three younger brothers. So growing up in that environment was quite hectic, but I always appreciated my parents who always were there for us. Even when things were very, very difficult, they pulled through and there was, there was some tough times, but they always worked hard. You know, they always worked hard through it, especially my father. My father is a very big inspiration for me. Yeah. I was going to ask you like who, who was an inspiration and, and why? So tell me about your father. My father is a police officer. He's the police captain for Ontario police. And he, he's the kind of person that doesn't, when he sees something that's wrong, he has to fix it. Yeah. And one of the things that he does is whenever he sees an opportunity to do something, make something better, or just do something that nobody really thought to do. It was, he took it upon himself. It was, he was like, I'm going to make this my responsibility and I'm going to do it. And he's probably one of the highest decorated officers in Ontario. And he's definitely made a huge impact on the community and things like that. He's brought through, oh man, so, so many things. He, he works hard all the time, always makes sure that people are where they need to go, having them engage with the community, you know, uh, getting things together so that the community can engage with them, you know, setting up officer, uh, programs to help officers, mm -hmm. especially ones with mental illnesses from the job. And just, he's done so many things. He's gotten so many awards from things like successful hostage negotiations. And wow. he took up the, he just takes anything that he has the opportunity to take responsibility of, he, he takes. So yeah. he travels around the country when he has to, to do meetings with higher officials. He'll do, um, uh, he did security detail for, uh, I believe it wasn't the Israeli prime minister, uh, vice ministers. I think the person just below him wanted to come to visit the newly opened synagogue in our town. And my mm -hmm. father did worked with the Israeli, uh, one mm -hmm. of the secret service, I guess, to help get them there. And it was very successful. So my father's often a very trusted individual. He's always been trusting. Yeah. He's always had a thing against, he really hates corruption. And he's always been a very, I'd say he's probably got a, pretty solid golden moral code. Yeah. You know, they, they say character is revealed when you take action that nobody sees, like what you do, like what, what are you, what are you inspired to do when nobody knows you're doing it? Sounds like your dad is that guy who's always going to pick the right thing to do. Like he's always going to, he's always going to flip heads up. Right? My, my father, one of the interesting things that was always interesting, he's, he said, whenever you're in a crowd of people and there's something going on, it kind of deludes the responsibility. Yeah. He said, if, if you're in a big crowd of people and someone's having a heart attack, don't be the person, don't be, don't hesitate. Be the person that's going to go up there, call 911 and try to help the person. Yeah. That's, that's how my father's always been. So is there, like, when you think about your dad and, you know, kind of the, the biggest lesson that you learned from him or something from your childhood that you'll always remember, is there one particular story for how he impacted you? Yes. I'd say one of the biggest things that he's taught me, which I think helps me a lot, is to understand how goals in life work. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are told to set a goal in life. Yeah. And the problem is, is I think some people, when they reach that goal, it's then they, they don't, they don't have anything to do. You mm -hmm. know, they become kind of aimless. They don't quite sure what to do because you might've spent months or years of your life achieving this goal. And now that you're here, it's some people, they get there and they're like, I'm, I'm glad I did this. But then some people 
the journey meant more than the yeah than the destination but now that they've reached it it's they don't not sure what to do my father has always told me he said you have to think of every goal as like a ladder uh, like he, he uses like like a literal ladder and he says you start at the bottom yeah it's, you to get to this goal you have to do this next mm -hmm. rung do this do mm -hmm. this do this and he said but when you're done when you reach the top of the ladder take the ladder and flip it uh -huh. and start at the bottom yeah. again find a new goal yeah and move from here to here to here break it down so you know if it's a big goal it doesn't overwhelm you but break down each goal into a series of smaller goals that you can eventually achieve. Mm -hmm. And then when you reach that goal, flip the ladder over yeah. and start again. Yeah, that that is great advice. Uh, really good. Because if you just set one big goal for life and you and once you achieve it, then what? Right? And But there's so much more to life than the next goal. So when you think about your life and kind of goals that you have for yourself, what would be a few of those? One of my biggest goals in life I, well, that was the interesting about goals is sometimes you don't even know what your goal is until you, until, until you come across a good opportunity. And mm -hmm. that was one of the things I found because I, I was thinking my life goal was, well, it's, it's, I'd say it's pretty standard for most people. It's like, I want to own a home. Yeah. I want to, well, buy my dream car because I'm young, but, mm -hmm. uh, I, and I wanted to have a good career, mm -hmm. good job. Yeah. And when I came to charter, I was thinking, where's my, what is my goal? What do I, what do I want to do? Yeah. And I saw it. It was, it was staring at me right in the face. I looked at the, um, I don't think we have any more. We had a chart that showed where where everybody was kind of, oh, it was on ADP. It showed mm -hmm. you where everybody was, like supervisor down to op one. I was like, I want to be here. This is where I want to be. Because as like the machine operator, that's fine. Yeah. And, but I want to keep going. Like, yeah. I don't want to stop here. There's people we get, they're, they're fine where mm -hmm. they are. But I wanted to go higher. Yeah. So I wanted to get to lead operator. I want to do all the technical stuff. That's what I really love doing. Because I like... I like working with people. I like working with the machines. I love doing that. And that's where I set my goal. So I start, that was the top of the ladder. Yep. And now you got to flip it. Right. One of the great things about working where I do is the ability to develop myself as a leader, mm -hmm. which I always wanted to do because yeah. that's how my father is. He's, he's a, yep. he's a great leader and I wanted to be like him Yeah. and have a positive impact on the people around me and hopefully have a good impact on the company as well especially our shift as well. Cause we've had a lot of good people who've moved on to different shifts, maybe another building. And I want to continue that legacy of all these great people we've had. Mm -hmm. So learning to teach people, learning to remain calm under pressure and manage stress and people feed off that. And that's, that they was do. the wrong to the next goal that I had, which was how do you lead people? You know, I'd show people, especially in stressful situations, how to teach people, yeah. This is what we do. Well, I, th I think one of the things about being a leader, and I can see it in you, Andrew, is just being authentic, being who you are, and mm. really bringing out the strengths that you have. So you. it's really great to see um, the ambition that you have and how much you're willing to apply yourself. So when you're not working, when you, uh, and I know you've, you've invested a lot of time uh, to develop yourself both inside and outside of work. But what, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do to have fun? I do a lot of things. Um, I'd say probably the biggest things I do, especially in the summers, I love to do stuff with my friends outside, especially. Uh, uh -huh. I just went on a canoeing trip with my friend. And to that, where? Uh, we did uh, Mohican. That's what it was. We did a, the mm -hmm. big seven-mile canoeing trip. It was, it was a lot of work. How long does that fun. take? It took us about three hours. It was just constant, like rolling, yeah. getting through yeah. the rapids yeah. and all that. I love doing that stuff. I love doing outdoor stuff. I love going on, 
you know, that's one of the nice things about having four days off with working here is that yeah. I can go travel somewhere and go it's hike. Cool. And I, I've been so many places. I love, I went out West last year to hike around the, uh, what were they called? The mountains out there near South Dakota. I forget. Uh, Black Hills. Black Hills. And I loved hiking around there. It was, I love doing outdoor stuff, mm-hmm. especially if it involves hiking, fishing, or yeah, any kind of outdoor activity. I love to explore. I what's love to what's the next place you'd like to explore? Like if you could go anywhere in the world, what would it be? Oh goodness. There's so many. It would be hard to say. I, mm. I would love to go to Europe. Yeah. I would love to go okay. and just see all the cities and the beautiful countryside. I'd love to go to Switzerland, see the Swiss Alps. They're just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like that yeah. would be a dream destination for me. Awesome. Is there anyone either alive today or in the past? that if you had the opportunity to meet, to sit down and have a conversation with, who would it be? That's a great question. I've actually thought about this question a lot because it was always yeah. a changing person. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy to think of talk to any person. Any, anyone. Sure. Anyone. You, you could have a dinner conversation with them or you could just meet them, you know, go hiking with them. Yeah. <laughs> it, Whatever you want to do. It's, yeah. We're dreaming here. If we're thinking about people, I would probably say probably George Washington. Wow. Okay. Someone who is just like I, one of my other passions is history, like especially outside of work. I love studying history. It's he's such a different person than the average person in history in which, you know, no one and no one's perfect. You know, there's there's not like a perfect human in history. It's, it's, we're all, you know, we, we all have issues, but I mean, it's, there's rarely been someone in history who has been offered everything in terms of something you don't really want someone to have, like all this power and all that. Yeah. And he says no. And if you actually read what he does, what he did after everything that happened, like after the revolution and all that, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most inspiring acts of leadership ever in probably humanity. Like mm-hmm. the amount of time he put into other people, the amount of just, he dedicated his whole life into set, setting up everything. And that's, that's amazing. Like there's been very, very few people ever mm-hmm. who could have done that. And I would just love to ask him, it's like, how did you end up like this? Like, yeah. how could you, basically everybody's begging for you to just take over everything. It's like, how do you have the humility to just say no? How do you, how do you just, what made you who you are? What do you think of what's happened? Like, what do you, you know, everything that we've built, what would you think of it? And that's, that's something I would love to talk about. Yeah. That's a, that's a really insightful answer. Um, so what do you think? Like, how, how do you think someone, I mean, obviously your, your dad is a, is someone with strong moral character, George Washington. What do you think that differentiator is? Like, what do you think makes someone into a, a selfless kind of humble leader? I think it starts with a very hard, no, I wouldn't say hard-nosed, but perhaps a very disciplined attitude, mm-hmm. a very a person who doesn't give in quite easily to things that are presented to you like negatively. They don't give in to vices quite as easily as mm-hmm. the average person. My father started out, his first job he got, he was eight years old, and he sat in a dark barn with a little light and pulled nails out of a board mm-hmm. for like a few hours. Yeah. That, that was his first job. Well, I mean, remember his first like actual employment job, he worked mm-hmm. on a, fa- a dairy farm, 
where mm-hmm. he would have to sit in the back of a truck and tackle cows so that they could tackle tackle cows. You'd have to drive up next to him and leap out of the back of a car, of a truck and tackle the car cow to the ground so you could give it its shots and also tag okay. it. Okay. And then you'd have the other cows try to defend it and they come try to knock you off and it's it's just crazy. And okay. that was his first job and it was long, long hours in the sun with other people sweating. My father's always worked. He, yeah. he he's a person who doesn't like not working. He is the most anti-lazy person I've ever seen. Yeah, I can tell that you've inherited that trait. Really? Yes, yes, I can tell because uh, you're so passionate about what you do and growing and, you know, wanting to climb the ladder and then turn it over and climb it again. I mean, you. I can tell that you're a very ambitious person and, and very focused on developing your leadership skills. And it's really, it's really exciting, I think, yeah. to see someone like you, you know, so young in your career with your whole career ahead of you, so focused on wanting to be a leader. Yeah. All right, well, we've come to this point in the interview when it's time to flip the table here, flip the microphone, so to speak, and you can ask me any question you want to ask me. Okay. Um, so what got you interested? Uh, have you always worked for Charter, or did you come from somewhere else? And if you did, what made you interested in Charter? Wow. Um, yes, I've always worked in manufacturing my entire career. So I was a trailblazer in that way because I was w- the only woman to do what I was doing for every job I had. Actually, every job I have ever had, I was the first woman, only woman to do it. Um, but I came up through the manufacturing channel, like working uh, as a as a plant supervisor, as a quality engineer, as a materials planner, I was a plant manager and kind of kept climbing the ladder. And I have been with this company since 2006. So starting um, first working for a company called Appleton Paper, and then they sold the division off to private equity in 2010. And that's when I became the CEO. So I've been the CEO since 2010. And obviously we've grown considerably over the 13 years. When I first became CEO, our sales were about 50 million and now they're over one and a half billion that's 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 insane <laughs> i remember looking at the i remember looking at the numbers when i just before i got hired i wanted to learn a lot about this company first and mm-hmm. came in and it said fastest growing company in the midwest i was like yeah really it was like yeah. in manufacturing and they're like no period like <laughs> fastest growing period yeah and i was like whoa and then wow. i i looked at that that trend and i was like oh my god yeah like, what, what's going on here right yeah, and now now we're all owners together, right? Uh, we have the opportunity to to share in the value that we create, so that's really exciting. Oh yeah, I love that too about making everybody an owner because you'd think in a you'd think in a factory job you'd think you just get stuck somewhere and nobody cares, but this is this is so different. It's like you know I I love getting we even have brand new employees that and since I'm on the engagement committee I can ask them. I said, do you have any ideas about mm-hmm. what you know anything that could be done, make things better. And they have great ideas. And I, I think the fact that we care enough about that, I think is quite monumental. Yeah. I find that to be quite like people look for great companies. It's like, this is good. I love it. Awesome. You inspire me. Really? You inspire me too. Thank you. Like hearing so much about just you like that kind of attitude. You said I was the only woman doing this. It's like, yeah. I, you know, I, I see so many people today who just kind of like hold back and they think I can't do it. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's incredible. Well, the more you do, the more you realize you can do. And it sounds like you already understand that with your ladder analogy, but that's, that's life. You have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. That's where the growth is. Who inspired you? 
to do all this? Like who would say your biggest inspirations are? I would say my mom in that I'm living the life she didn't get to live. Right. Because back then, I mean, she was born in 1921, my mom, some of from a family of 10 kids and, and uh, she had me when she was 40. So, um, so there were very limited opportunities for women back then. So I wanted to, uh, to, to live a life that women before me couldn't live. I'd say you definitely succeeded. Thank you.